It's Wednesday night, and we are in a study that's very interesting. It branches into many areas, and it has to do with the handwriting of ordinances. The handwriting. of ordinances. Ordinances is the word dogma. A dogma of a church is what it teaches. A dogma of a of a lodge, it's the things that they teach that you have to do. It is the rituals. Now, there's two rituals I told you last week, two handwritings. One is over here. In the Old Testament, it's the handwriting of God written on tables of stone. Over here in the New Testament, there's a handwriting written upon fleshy tables of the heart. You can find those written on the heart in Second. Corinthians, the third chapter, the first four verses. You can find it in Hebrews, the eighth, and the tenth chapter, where God writes upon the hearts of his church or his believers. One of these is blotted out. This would be the rituals over here on stone, rituals of the Old Testament. That would be everything that the priests did in the temple of God that had to do with all of the holy days, the daily offering they put on the altar. The daily offering was just a picture of Christ to come. And the the brazen sea, at one time it was a laver right in front of the door of the of the tabernacle. And the Israel kept growing until God said to Solomon, you've got to make a sea. And it held 2,000 baths. You can find that in First Kings, the seventh chapter. Seventh chapter, where he makes this sea. It actually says sea. And daily these sacrifices are offered. Daily the priests had to come in here and offer a bullock or whatever the sacrifice was to cleanse the outer tabernacle. They had the candlesticks. Those had to be lit. They had to have the table of showbread. That bread was changed every seven days. And they had to light this altar of incense. All these were gold in here. The altar of incense, the table of showbread, the candlesticks, and the Ark of the Covenant were all made of beaten gold. These two out here were what's called brass. Some people, some interpreters said it was probably copper. I'm not, I don't know. I don't think anybody does. Uh, we don't, haven't had anybody been back there to look at that. And I'm talking about this ritual, this handwriting of ordinances, and how it's tied to the tithe. The tithe the thing about the tithe it had no rituals with it they would just go and take it to the high priest now a lot of people will say well the tithe had to do with food in the old testament let me say something to you here 
It had to do with food because that's what they dealt in. A shepherd had to bring a tenth of, of all the sheep when he'd have take account at the end of the year. He had to bring one tenth of his sheep. And so did the uh, people that grew wheat. But what about the fishermen? He couldn't bring one tenth of the fish and they couldn't put it in some kind of a, a silo or a a place they a storehouse because it would be rotten and the next day it'd be stinking. What about the fishermen? What about the people that work in a marketplace? But they didn't have any sheep. Well, they had to give a tenth anyway. They had to convert theirs to money. And what about somebody that was coming along from a long way? They the scripture will tell you that these people coming from a long way off says this in the 14th chapter of Deuteronomy if they're coming to one of these three feasts all the males that were coming had to bring had to bring a lamb with them and it, they couldn't there were three festivals. All the males had to come to Passover, Pentecost, and Feast of Ingathering. That was the first Passover. was the 10th day of the, excuse me, 14th day of the first month, 10th day of the first month, actually kept for four days. And and they had, the, they had been scattered all over the world over there in First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, because they kept going after Baal in the grove, they were back to Christ's mass or Christmas, and because they were going after Baal in the grove, they were scattered all over the world. Well, they still had to come back to these three feasts. That was the law of God. So, if they were devout, like Acts the second chapter says, they're coming back from all over the world. The Jews are, and they're speaking all of these different languages of the world. That's what that was about in Acts 2. They all, they've been living there hundreds of years. Northern Israel spread out all over the world in 722 B.C., 722 years before Christ. And southern Judah was scattered in 586 B.C., so at least 586 years plus 30 or 33 by the time you get to Acts 2. So somewhere in the neighborhood of anywhere from 760 years for northern Israel or six, a little over 600 years for southern Judah, they've been scattered all over the world. But they have to come back to these feasts. they got to bring a lamb with them or... They got to convert a third of their money, a third of their crop, a third of their, if they're devout, and that's what the Bible says. Where it, in Acts two, there were devout men from every nation under heaven because they'd been scattered there because they went after this bell in the grove. They'd been scattered anywhere from six hundred and ten twenty to to seven hundred and sixty years. And well, let me ask you this: some guy's going to come from Carthage. Is he going to get on a boat and say, you sheep, get on the boat? And they go, bah, bah, bah. And, uh, and they take off with some sailor to get over here uh, to make their way over and to go to Cyprus and come down here with their sheep and drive them off the boat. 
That's not what they're going to do. They had to convert their sheep to money. They had to convert everything to money or they had to bring the equivalent of the cost of a sheep was a half shekel, one half shekel, and that would buy sheep over here in Jerusalem at the temple. That's why, and these Pharisees that were running the temple, all of the exchange of money throughout the world was Greek and some Roman money. But the Pharisees said, when you come to Israel to buy a sheep, you got to convert it to Hebrew money, and that's the money of the temple in order to buy it. So they exchanged the money. These were money changers. Maybe give them 50 cents on the dollar. And that's why Jesus came and said, you've made my father's house a den of thieves. They had to buy a lamb. If they didn't sell their sheep when they was at home, they had to come over here and buy lamb in order to keep these festivals. You get that? And so when they're there, they're speaking all these dialects and glossa. And that's why God says, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And in the last days, the last days were here in Acts 2. This would happen in the last days. And God was pouring out of his spirit on all flesh. Spirit, it's hard for me to even talk about this without bringing all this up. Spirit on all flesh, because God has blinded the eyes of the Jews when Jesus came to Jerusalem. He said so in the 19th chapter of Luke. He's blinded their eyes and he's going to pour out of his spirit on red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh. Now, that's all flesh, whereas he was only giving it out to one flesh. The whole point I'm bringing out is they had to have money and they, the tithe was given. The tithe was given to the high priest. In the Old Testament, the first time it was given, the tithe, the first time it was given was in Genesis, the 14th chapter. That's when Abraham gives a tithe to Melchizedek. Now, this is before Aaron, the high priest, because when Aaron gets here, this is something you really have to understand. The Aaronic priesthood starts, huh? <laughs> Got too many A's in there. Aaron. Aaron was one of the sons, a descendant of Levi. You had to be of the. I'm comparing Aaron to Melchizedek. We're going to go through Melchizedek because he's the one that received the tithe. Melchizedek was the high priest. We have a high priest over the temple of God now. And who is that? That's Jesus. Jesus is the high priest over this temple. Our hearts are sprinkled. The law is written on on fleshy tables of our heart there in Second Corinthians, the third chapter, first four verses, written on our hearts. 
Over here in the Old Testament, the law was written on tables of stone. That is when Aaron was the high priest. But before Aaron, here's where Aaron comes in. Let me just kind of put this on the board. I'll give you this. Levi was the third son of Jacob. Levi. Third son of Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel in Genesis, the 32nd chapter, 32. And Levi has three sons. Three sons, Gershon, Gershon, Koath, and Mereri. We're not interested right now in Mereri or Gershon because the lineage of the high priest comes out of Koath. Let me move this. That's where the high priest comes from. And the, and the tithe goes to the high priest through his servants. Now, Koath. Koath has got four sons. One, two, three, four. He's got Amram. And then Izhar. And Hebron. One of the southernmost cities was named after his Koath son Hebron that was the southernmost city in Israel in ancient times and then he has Uziel now the high priesthood comes out of out of Amram he marries a woman a Yochabed and that ends up being he has Aaron Moses and Miriam. And you cannot do any high priest work unless you are a descendant of Aaron. And Aaron has four sons. One, two, three, four. He has Nadab, Abihu, or Abihu, however you want to pronounce it. I don't care. We don't ever get it pronounced right anyway. They had guttural sounds like that, you know. <laughs> Whatever I said, I don't know. And Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. Now remember, now you can go into these sons and go into all of their, they were Levites. They worked around the throne of God. They did all these rituals. Only one man could go into the Holy of Holies, which was called the house of God. And the Bible says in the New Testament, Christ is the son of his own house, whose house are we. We're the house of God. Only Melchizedek can come in and sprinkle our hearts 
our hearts are sprinkled there in Hebrews 10, 22. And we're elected unto obedience of blood. We're elected unto obedience and the sprinkling of blood. A blood baptism was a death, a martyrdom. So when our hearts are sprinkled, that's by the high priest Melchizedek. I'll get into his name in a minute. But when Levi gets here, the third son of Jacob, you can see Jacob's sons in Genesis, the 29th and 30th, 30th chapter, where they're all born. You can see their blessings in Genesis, the 49th chapter, and it'll be there where it will talk about the priesthood coming from Levi and the king will come from Judah. At one point in time, one of the kings went into the Holy of Holies and tried to do the work of God. A king that was a legitimate king of Judah, he can't go into the Holy of Holies. Only a son of Aaron can go in there. And Uzziah, presumed he could go in there because he had done so many great things for Israel. He'd made all these aqueducts and and these uh, uh, sewage things and where they could run water all over Israel. And he thought, I've just been such a... For 50 years, he'd been such an advanced king. He presumed he could walk in there and God struck him with leprosy. You had to be a son of Aaron. And of course, we know the story over there in Leviticus, the 10th chapter, how Nadab and Abihu offered strange fire to God. All that was left was Eleazar and Ithamar. Every high priest, all the way down to Jesus, all the way to Jesus is going to be descendant of Eleazar or Ithamar. In fact, John the Baptist comes from that line right there. He was a high priest of Israel. Now, I want us to uh, go over here, and I want you to see how the only thing that was blotted out, the tithe was here before the law was here. If the first time we see it is over in Genesis, the 14th chapter. Let's go over there. Genesis 14. I'm going to try to do this the best I can. There's so many things here. The only thing that was blotted out, the tithe was not blotted out. The only thing that was blotted out was the rituals. If there had been a ritual with the tithe, if God had said, put the tithe on the ground and jump over it five times, and then when you do, stand on your head on top of it, that's all that would have been blotted out. But there was no ritual with the tithe. It was not blotted out. People say the law was blotted out. It was not you think you can go around killing people? You think you can steal? You can covet? You can be unfaithful? You can uh, break all of the commandments of God? All the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Galatians 5.14 All the law is fulfilled. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Our problem is we love ourselves, but we don't love our neighbors. Loving your neighbor as yourself fulfills all the law but what is the word love agape is that word in galatians 5 14 galatians 5 14 
Agape is walking in the commandments of God. Here's how you fulfill the law. Walking in the commandments concerning your neighbor. Of course, all the commandments are not merely the Ten Commandments. Every time you have an imperative mood. An imperative mood in the Greek. That is a commandment. I use the illustration, strive to enter into the straight gate. Agonizomai, A-G-O-N-I-Z-O-M-A-I. That's the way you fulfill the law. The agon was the arena where they turned the Christians over to the lions, turned them over to the gladiators. They went in there and they killed the Christians, and you're supposed to agonize. And that's imperative, and everybody's going to do that somewhere along the way that belongs to God. Now, look over here. The first time we see the tithe is going to be Abraham was 75 years old when he left. He left Haran. The land of Haran is down here on the Euphrates River. He left there when he's about 75 and comes over here to Israel. So when we're talking about, he's got a nephew named Lot. Lot is kidnapped by some evil men. And Abraham goes out to rescue him. Now, you'll find this in the 14th chapter of Genesis. Look here. And this is where Abraham pays tithes to Melchizedek, the high priest. That's who the tithe belongs to. The high priest of God now is Melchizedek. I'll go into that name. It means king of righteousness. It comes from the word Melech or Moloch. Jim, I thought that was an evil god. That it means the word, it means king, lord, or rain. Evidently, God did not want his people to call him Moloch because that's what the Ammonites called their God. Their chief God was Molech or Molech or Milcom. And they all mean king or lord. And Molech, Mel, C-H-I-Z-A, D-E-C. Melchizedek means Malek Zadik. Z-A-D-I-Y-K. Zadik means good. The Sade is the 18th letter of the Hebrew alphabet and it means righteous or right, all of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet had a meaning. I brought this book with me. Uh, you can take a look at it if you want to. This is about the Hebrew alphabet. Every word in the Hebrew alphabet had a meaning. The, al- the Aleph, first letter, it's amazing to me. The Greeks followed their lead, A, B, G, D. Uh, Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta. And the way the Hebrews did it, it was Aleph, Beth, Gimel, Daleth, A, B, G, D. Same way they did. 
And the Aleph, the Aleph looks like something like this. I don't draw very good. There's a break there. The Aleph means water. The Baeth, the Baeth means house. When we say Beth, this is how the Hebrew and the Greek crisscross. The Bethlehem, Bethlehem means house, house, Beth, Lehem means bread. It means house of bread. When you see Beth, Sheba, it means house, and Sheba is the word seven. It means house of seven. Or you see any number of other words, Bethlehem, Bethsheba, or Beth Faje. We would call it Beth Page. Beth Page. We got Beth Pages all over all over America. We got one right up the road here. It means house of figs. So when you get to understanding that, this is an excellent book to study. It's called The Aleph and the Baeth. And it's wonderful to study because they'll tell you all about uh, the noon. I've just That's the N. The noon means kingdom. Uh, you can just open it up. It'll tell you what they called it. Now, where was I? Let's get over here to the 14th chapter. The only thing that was blotted out was the law, the, was the rituals of the law. There was no rituals with the tithe. Bible teaches tithe. I very seldom get on this, but because I ran into it last week, I thought I need to explain this to the people. Now, the 14th chapter, we're going to, Read some of this chapter. It came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar. Now, Shinar is another name for for Babylon down here in this Ethiopian, in this uh, uh, this valley of Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia means between the rivers. That's the meaning of it. And you got two rivers: the Tigris and the Euphrates. And down here in this area, well, I started to say something. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, oh, Shinar was another name for the Babylonian area. They found a plain in the land of Shinar there in the 11th chapter of Genesis. And that's where they built Babylon. That means lower Mesopotamia. The king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elisar, and Kedar Leomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that these made war with Bera, king of Sodom. And at this time, this is where Lot is. He's in Sodom. He is going to, he's kind of being held captive. 
and Shinab the king of Admah, and Shemaber king of Zeboam, and the king of Bela, which is Zoar. All these were joined together in the vale of Sidim, which is, uh, got that marked over. Twelve years they served Kedolomer. Huh? Which is the salt sea. Salt sea, okay. The salt sea is the Dead Sea. That's the Dead Sea right here, south, southern Israel. Here's the Dead Sea. And then the, the uh, Jordan River runs down, curves all the way down, empties into the Dead Sea, and this is Galilee up here. All right. Now, let's keep reading. All right. Twelve years they served Kedorlaomer, and in the thirteenth year they rebelled, and in the fourteenth year came Kedorlaomer, and the kings that were with him, and smote the Rephams in Ashtaroth, Karnamim and Zumims in Ham, and the Emims in Sheva, and Karathaim and the Horites and their Mount Seir. Now Mount Seir is the same thing as the land of Edom or the descendants of Esau just south of Jerusalem. Or just south of Israel. Right there just on, in the Dead Sea area right down here. That's Mount Seir or Edom the descendants of Esau. Now, and the Horites in their Mount Seir and El Parim, which is by the wilderness, and they returned and came to Emashpot, which is Kadesh. Remember Kadesh? That's where the that's where the children of Israel came up to Kadesh and camped here. God told them to go in and, and conquer these these Anakims, which is in the land that we call the Gaza Strip right down here's Gaza right there uh, there's Ashkelon Ashdod these are all cities of the Philistines or what we would call uh, the Gaza Strip or the land of the Philistines now and they went out the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah and the king of Admah and the king of Zeboam and the king of Bela and the same is Zoar, and they joined battle with them in the vale of Sinim. And Kedileomer, the king of Elam, with title king of nations, and Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Ariok, king of Elisar, four kings, five. Four kings with five. And the vale of Sinim was full of slime pits, and the king of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there, and that remained fled to the mountains. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. And they took Lot, Abraham's brother's son. This is Abraham's nephew, Lot. Remember the story about him, how that... He and his wife and two daughters had to leave Sodom because God was raining fire down. Who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. They kidnapped these kings, kidnapped Lot. 
And there came one that had escaped and told Abram, and the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, in Amor, and the Amorite, brother of Eshcol, and the brother of Anar, and these were confederate with Abram. Now Abraham's not called Abram is not called Abraham till the seventeenth chapter. He's still Abram. Abram comes from Ab and Rum. Rum is a common word that means to be proud. R U W M. I can't spell. R U W M. In that fourth chapter of of Proverbs. I can't think. Uh, Room is the word proud. Six things God hates and seven is abomination. And God heads it all up with a proud look. With a room look. God says, Ab is the word father. When you get into the 17th chapter, God says to Abraham, you'll no longer be called Abram which means proud father, but you'll be called Abraham. Abraham means father of many nations. He said, this is a bad word here. That's an evil name. This is a righteous name. And that's why he was called that in the 17th chapter. Now, let's get down to Lot has been taken captive. Abraham is going to get, and when you want to show people They say, Abraham was rich. God wants us all rich. Well, let me tell you, everybody's household wasn't rich. There was a lot of people in his house. The head of the household among the Jews would make sure everybody ate. And then he would say, bring me a plate after everybody was fed. He took care of everybody first. That's what we're supposed to do. And that's what Abraham. But this next verse will tell you. How many was not rich in Abraham's house? And he had a servant that was faithful and loved him. His name was Eliezer. That's a real common name. That's kind of like Joe or Bill in our language. And Eliezer is a Syrian, but he loves Abraham. And he's faithful in his household. In fact, when the Lord says to Abraham, you're going to have a son, but it will not come from this Syrian in your household. It'll be a real son that comes from you. That was his promise to Isaac. Now, let's get into this. And there came one that had escaped and said, and told Abraham, the Hebrew. Hebrew, he wasn't a Jew yet. <laughs> what was he when he was a Hebrew? Hebrew means just a, means a nomadic wanderer. Means a wanderer. Now, God is making promises to Abraham. He tells him in the 12th chapter, Get thee up out of thy country and from thy kindred unto the land that I will show thee. And he, and he brings Abraham in the 11th chapter from the land of Haran, which is the same thing as Babylon. He brings him from over here in the land of Haran all the way up here down to this area down here, the bottom of Israel down there where Jerusalem will be. Now, 
When Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, now notice this, always notice this. It will call it will call a nephew a brother, because he's a brother in the sense that they're both Hebrews. He's that's his nephew. In fact, if you're in the sixteenth chapter of First Kings, it will call uh Ahab's father will actually say later on when Ahab marries Jezebel it'll say Jezebel's father was Omri when it was actually Ahab's father was Omri O-M-R-I so if it's kin they were all kin let me show you something before we get off this thing Abraham was a Hebrew here but he wasn't a Jew Jew comes from the word Judah. And during ancient times, Jews were only of the, was only people of the fourth son of Jacob. But by the time Jesus gets here, they're calling everyone in Israel, since the king will come out of Judah, they're calling everyone Jews by the time of Christ. That is, in any one of the twelve tribes, they become Jews. I got to show you one other thing over here in Romans, the third chapter, I believe it is, because this is very interesting. Uh, I never want, I never know where I'm going to be able to use this. All right, second chapter of of Romans. I thought I was going to get through this real quick, but I don't guess I am. Second chapter of Romans. All right. Um, I believe it's in this chapter. Um, was Abraham? Maybe it's not this chapter. All right, I believe it's in the uh, fourth chapter. It tells us that. Look here. Let's read just a little of this. Now we're talking about Hebrews as opposed to Jews. A Hebrew would be a Gentile because he was just a wanderer. And then he's talking about blessed is the man, verse 8, chapter 4 of Romans, is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned unto Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. So what he's saying, when Abraham was believing God in this 14th, 13th, and 11th chapter, he was a Gentile. That's what God is saying there in Romans 4. And he says, and he calls him a Hebrew here, but circumcision doesn't come until the 17th chapter when he renames him Abraham, father of many nations, and promises him a son and says his name will be Isaac. So he's a Jew until circumcision, he's a Gentile until circumcision comes. Can you see that? The promise was reckoned when Abraham was in uncircumcision. 
in this 14th chapter, he's not circumcised yet. He's just a Hebrew, but not a Jew. We have identified Jews and Hebrews as the same thing. Now let's go back over here to the 14th chapter. The 14th verse of the 14th chapter. This next verse will show you when somebody comes and says, Abraham is rich, he wants all of us to be rich. The charismatics will say that. Well, all these people weren't rich. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, that was Lot, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued unto Dan, the northernmost city in Israel. So, there's 318 people in Abraham's house that's not rich. Has anybody ever heard Pentecostals or Charismatics say, Oh, Abraham was rich, so he wants us rich. What about these 318 people? They're not rich. But to be a slave in a household was the best thing you could be rather than be out there making your living by yourself because the Jews had had a hospitality law that you had to take care of people in your house when they were slaves. And the slaves would get so... You didn't beat them. The slaves would get so close to their masters when it came time for them to leave, they'd say, I don't want to leave. Would you make me a son? He'd say, yes. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night and smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. I suppose that means on the uh, western side. And he brought back all the goods that they got from these wicked kings that had kidnapped Lot. And also brought again his brother Lot, his goods, and his women also, and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Kedel, Olayamar, and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Shavah, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek... Here you are, intro, Melchizedek. Melchizedek, I believe, was Shem. Was Kim Melchizedek, was Shem alive at this time? Yes. The Bible says, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan will be his servants, and his older brother is Japheth. Let me show you why I believe it's Shem. Shem was God's authority upon the earth. When they said, let us make us a name, they were saying, let us make us a Shem. Shem is God's authority. And it was founded on them coming up with their own Savior. That's where all of this fire worship and tree worship comes from. They're inventing their own Savior and their own doctrine. Let us make a name for ourselves. Name Name is the word Shem, and it means authority. We'll make up our own doctrine, and they had a counterfeit of Christ, which is what's going on in the church today. Now, I want you to notice, this is a long time, this is hundreds of years before the law, before the Aaronic priesthood. When the Aaronic priesthood gets here, let me brace some of this. You've got, throughout the Bible, you've got one cannot exist 
while the other is existing. Well, God is always our high priest. But as far as action on upon, upon the earth and God imparting the action to these men, you had... Jesus was a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We're going to read that over and over again. The word order is the word taxis. Order. This is in the Greek. It means a fixed succession. Of either people, events, things that happen. I've said this before. It means an orderly arrangement. It is a form in the Greek of the word tasso. Y'all remember that word? It is within the morphemes, the word shapes of tasso. Tasso means an orderly arrangement. Now we're talking about in this chapter, somewhere in the neighborhood, this is just a guesstimate of of around 2000 B.C. where this is happening. When, when the priesthood of Jacob comes along, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, he has sons and they have, and they, there's 12 of them and the third one was a Levi and the Levites were appointed as the priests. They were never numbered with Israel because they lived all over Israel and they didn't own land like the rest of them did. You won't find Levi anywhere on this map because they lived all over Israel so they could take care of the sacrifices and the tithes and the thing that they're required to. So, this taxes, this is the word in Acts 13, 48, as many as were ordained, ordained is the word tasso, ordained to eternal life believe. Taxes is a form of this word. In fact, we get the word tactical from this word taxes. Tactical is a military term. It means to march in rank. It means an exact order. A taxis was an order of priests. I've said this so many times. You go into a lodge and you see all these pictures of these guys up on the wall. That's a taxis. It's an orderly arrangement of these priests. People say, we don't know what Melchizedek was. All you got to do is define it. Define the word the order, find the word order, and you'll see something that says High Potentate nineteen twenty nine, High Potentate nineteen thirty, nineteen thirty one, and it'll take you up to date as long as they kept this taxis, this order. 
Now, if Jesus was a priest forever after the order, if he was forever, where did the first sacrifice in the Bible take place? In the garden. I believe Jesus killed. He's the one that was talking to Adam because the Bible says no man hath seen God at any time. Now we know Jesus is God because he said he was. He says, I am. Well, if he's the I am, he's God. But Adam talked to him. Joshua talked to him. Abraham talked to Jesus in that 18th chapter of Genesis when three men walked up to Abraham and Abraham knelt down to the one in the middle that had to be Jesus because no angel would accept adoration from anyone that said don't just like the angel that when John bowed down to the angel in the 22nd chapter of Revelation he said don't do that to me I'm a man just like you don't bow to me when Joshua bowed to the visiting angel in the sixth chapter of Joshua, the fact that he bowed to him meant it was Jesus, because he didn't say, get up from there. He accepted the adoration. To adore means to worship. So, this is a taxis. If Jesus is a priest forever, that meant he was the first priest, doesn't it? First high priest. Uh huh. He's talking about somebody kills something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. I'm going so fast. When the first Jesus killed a sacrifice. He's the one that walked in the garden with Adam. He was the first high priest. You cannot <laughs> offer a sacrifice from one end of the Bible to the other unless you are a priest, particularly high priest. When Nadab and Abihu offered strange fire, we don't know what they did. They could have done any number of things. Don't matter. They could have offered. They were supposed to get the fire off the altar. They might have got it off of this candlestick. Now, this is real close. We can just take a fire off of this. Or they might have offered a strange incense on this altar of incense. They could have concocted the wrong incense. Whatever they did, it displeased God's enough to kill them. But the whole thing is, you cannot offer sacrifice anywhere in the Bible. Aren't we priests and kings? Are we told to give our bodies a living sacrifice? If, if you're not a king, if you're not a priest and a king, priests give acceptable sacrifice kings declare righteous judgment don't we so we don't know what they did but God killed them so you've got an order it's a tactical arrangement of people and the sacrifice was given to the high priest let's read on here let's read on he brought back all the goods in verse 16 and brought again his brother Lot. He recaptured Lot from the kidnappers. 
and his goods, and the women also, and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet Abram after his return from the slaughter of Kedor Laomer. And of the kings that were with him at the valley of Shavon, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, Melchizedek, Sadiq, king of righteousness. There's one king of righteousness. If Jesus was a priest forever, he was the priest and king. And God hath made us priests and kings. We have our bodies living sacrifice, and we judge righteous judgment. So he, being forever, He's in this order of Melchizedek. And then he is the he is the high priest until you get to the Levites and Levi's sons are born and you get down here to Amram and you have what's called you have what's called here the ironic priesthood. But this lasts. Now God, it's still lasting in the days of Jesus. Jesus was the king of the Jews in the Old Testament. And he's also the high priest but that is after he dies he becomes the high priest because at this time during his lifetime John Baptist was born and he was a high priest after the order of Aaron and look at that over there I'm just kind of trying to cover this with Melchizedek Look at that in the first chapter of Luke. Luke, first chapter. And this is about the birth of John the Baptist. All right. Luke 1. All right. Let's just start here in verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea. Now, Herods were wrong kings. They were Idumean kings. The Herods had worked their way in. Rome was ruling. And the Herods would go here from Israel over to Rome and court the Caesar to get him to appoint them as kings and they were false kings because they were from just south of Israel from the land of Edom which were the descendants of Esau. They had no place to be kings in Israel. The Herods were liars. And when you try to read the life and times of Jesus the Messiah 
by Edersheim, you'll see all these different Herods going to Rome trying to court these guys. You had a Herod Agrippa. You had Herod Antipas. You had many. Herod was the same thing as king. Now, there were in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, and he wasn't a right king. Jesus was the king. John the Baptist was the high priest. We can see that right here. There is a certain priest, a priest, a high priest named Zechariah. Well, if you're a high priest, so are your sons. Of the course of Abia, there were 24 courses of high priests that came out of Ithamar and Eliezer in the 24th chapter of 1 Chronicles. And he is in the eighth course. They served these courses like for a week. They would rotate and the high priest would serve a short time and then he'd come off duty and somebody else would come on. Well, how did they eat during that week when they were high priests? They ate from the showbread off of this table right here. North side of, they ate the showbread and they would offer sacrifices on this altar, burn sacrifices, and every sacrifice had to be offered with salt. Kept it from being boring, didn't it? So they offered all the sacrifices with salt, and they would take a flesh hook, it had three prongs on it, it reached down and pull out. They had beef that day if they were sacrificing to cleanse this outer sanctuary or they're sacrificing a lamb or a goat for something, that's what they'd have to eat that day. And they'd reach down to that flesh hook and pull it out, and that'd be their meal with the bread over here. Now, so he's of the eighth course of Abia, and his wife was the daughters of Aaron. They, they come dual in the family from Aaron, the high priest. That's kind of good, isn't it? And her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, in that eighth course, According to the custom of the priest office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. So that would be his job to burn incense on that altar. And it had to be burnt all year long, every day. And only one day a year did the high priest go into this Holy of Holies and sprinkle the Ark of the Covenant. And now the high priest sprinkles our hearts, and that's Jesus. He's the priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Then it goes on to say, came to pass while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord, and the whole multitude of the people were praying without or outside at the time of the incense. Took about 30 minutes to hear and find out if everything was received. And if everything was okay, the bells on the bottom of their robes would ring. I'll just kind of pitch this in here real quick. When you're in Revelation, 
in Revelation, the 8th chapter. And if you don't know this, this ain't, you're going to be lost as a goose. When you get to this 8th chapter, in verse 1 of chapter 8, I'll just throw this in. This is extra. When he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven. Israel was called the heavens for about the space of a half an hour. And then he would come out. They could hear the bells ringing. And they'd say, he's alive. He's accept- God's accepted the- has accepted this. And he goes on to say, and I saw the seven angels who stood before God. Then were given the seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer with, with it the prayers of the saints. The, gold, the altar of incense was a picture of the prayers of the saints. And that is what Aaron, Aaron's father, Zacharias, was, his job was. On the altar of incense. Now back over here. Back over here to him. And they didn't have any children. In verse 12. Verse 11. And there appeared unto Zacharias an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. This. Zacharias is in there at the altar putting this particular incense, this formula that perhaps Nadab and Abihu had been killed for doing the wrong thing. But if you don't know that the high priests were now to do this work, you're not going to know what this is about, will you? And the whole multitude of people were praying outside that's what they're doing in Revelation the 8th chapter, those first few verses. They're waiting to see if everything's okay. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. <laughs> you see an angel, and you're standing inside of here. I guess I'd be scared to death too, wouldn't you? Man alive. He's about to offer an incense, and an angel comes, stands in front of him. I, I don't know if I could handle that. You'd think he'd just fall flat. And he was troubled and fear fell upon him. I bet he was. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He's going to be a Nazarite from his mother's womb. I believe that's in the ninth chapter of Numbers. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. The Holy Spirit is the truth. From the womb doesn't mean he'll be born and the next day he'll stand up a day old and start preaching to people. From the womb means this is their job. Paul said, I was called to preach to the Gentiles in the first chapter of Galatians from my mother's womb. First of all, I go to go out and kill a bunch of Christians. Then I'm called to preach to the Gentiles. I'll be working for them at first. He shall be filled with the truth from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God 
and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. The 17th chapter of Matthew, Jesus said Elijah must first come. But Elijah has already come, and his apostles knew that he spoke of John the Baptist. John the Baptist had the spirit of Elijah. Elijah said judgment's going to come on Israel in that 16th chapter of 1 Kings. He marries Jezebel. Ahab marries Jezebel. The 17th chapter, Elijah comes and says, Judgment's coming, and God's going to destroy northern Israel. John the Baptist came to introduce the kingdom of God spiritually. He said, The kingdom of God is here. It's among you. It's in you. Elijah talked about the destruction of the literal kingdom, And the spirit of Elijah was in John the Baptist when he came and said, Now I'm introducing to you the kingdom of God which is in you. It is spiritual now. And so will the priesthood be spiritual. And it will be Melchizedek. Now, he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, and make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The Jews keep one one seat at the table vacant because their Old Testament tells them that John the Baptist, that Elijah has to come. So they say Elijah hasn't come yet, and Jesus said he's already come in the form of John the Baptist. And the Jews don't see that. So when they have their Passover, Pentecost, and their Feast of Ingathering, or their Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, they always had an empty seat for Elijah so he might come and sit there. And they use these verses like the last chapter of the Old Testament, chapter 4 of Malachi, and it says the same thing in Luke, the first chapter, He shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And then he says over here in the fourth chapter of Malachi, Remember ye the law of Moses, verse 4, My servant which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers that's exactly what he says in Luke the first chapter the last I come and smite the earth with a curse he says the same thing that's John the Baptist he said the same thing in Matthew the 17th chapter I'll give you that real quick Matthew 17 then I'll get back over there to Melchizedek. Matthew 17, and this is Jesus talking. And Jesus answered, verse 11, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. But I said to you that Elijah is come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed or willed to do 
Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was Elijah to come. Now go back over here. Go back to First, first Chronicles 24th chapter. First Chronicles 24th chapter. I didn't mean to get this far into this. I, I don't apologize to you. 24th chapter. Remember John the Baptist, Zacharias. If Zacharias was a high priest, that means John the Baptist is a high priest. Besides that, his mother and father are of the lineage of Aaron. That makes him a high priest 100%. He was a high priest, not Herod. Just... It's crazy, isn't it? Then he says here in chapter 24, verse 1. Now these are the divisions of the sons of Aaron. The sons of Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. But Nadab and Abihu, or Abihu died before their father and had no children. Therefore Eleazar and Ithamar executed the high priest's office. And David distributed them both Zadok of the sons of Eleazar and Ahimelech of the sons of Ithamar according to their offices and their service and there were more chief men found of the sons of Eleazar than of the sons of Ithamar thus they were divided among the sons of Ithamar or Eleazar there were 16 chief men of the house of their fathers and 8 among the sons of Ithamar according to the house of their father 24 high priests 24 elders these are the 24 elders of Revelation the 4th chapter look at that real quick I don't know how I got here but I did Revelation the 4th chapter notice Nothing stands alone in the Bible. Revelation, the fourth chapter, we see. I didn't mean to wander off like this. We see the heavens, the door was opened in heaven. Heaven was a term for Israel. First voice I heard was it were a trumpet. Trumpets are voices talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and beheld a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. The throne is the Ark of the Covenant. That was where God sat and ruled. He sits in our hearts. That's the spiritual Ark of the Covenant. Immediately I was in the Spirit, behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne... He that sat was to look upon like jasper and sardine stone. There was a rainbow round about the throne. I could go into rainbow. Iris is the word rainbow. The iris of the eye surrounds the eye. And seven candlesticks are the eyes of the Lord. And we are the apple of his eye. And apple ball ball means pupil. And sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats around the throne of God and were they ministers around the throne around the ark of the covenant of 24 seats that the 24 elders the sons of Ithamar and Eleazar and the 24 elders sitting clothed in white raiment the head on their heads crowns of gold if you go to the 38 28th chapter of of uh, 
Exodus, you see they have crowns. The high priest had a crown and it looked holiness to the Lord on the front of it. And they wore them on their heads. Don't have time to go there. Let's go back over here to the 24th chapter of 1 Chronicles. And it starts naming these, the different levels of the priesthood. You see the the first, in verse 7, the first lot came forth to Jehorib, the second to Jehadadiah, and the third to Hiram, the fourth to Seorim, the fifth to Malkijah, the sixth to Mijamin, the seventh to Hakaz, the eighth to Abijah. That's what Luke, the first chapter says. says John the Baptist was in the eighth course, the course of Abijah or Abijah. Now, let's go back. The tithe always goes to the high priest. I am his representative as a I'm speaking his word as a prophet, a prophet. Don't call me prophet, Jim. I'm just a prophet in the sense. Prophetess is one who speaks for another. And the tithe goes to God through God's representative so we can pay all these bills. And we got a bunch of them. All right. Now let's go back over here and look at the first time. Long before the law, the tithe is here. Tithe means a tenth. Verse 18, chapter 14 of Genesis. Melchizedek, Malek, Sadiq, king of righteousness. King of right is what it means. Who else could that be but who's representing God upon the earth? You'll have this priesthood. Melchizedek will be from the garden until Aaron. And Jesus turns the priesthood over to Aaron and his sons, the Levites. Then when Jesus is crucified and nailed to the cross... All of these rituals of the Aaronic priesthood are nailed with him. We're back to spiritual here in the New Testament in this temple of God. And Melchizedek is our high priest. He's the one that sprinkles our hearts. Even the prayers of the saints are ordered by the Lord. The 16th chapter of Proverbs says. Now let's read this. Melchizedek, king of Salem. Salem is another word for shalom. Jerusalem is Jerusalem, city of shalom, peace. So Melchizedek was the king of Jerusalem before it was ever called Jerusalem. Who else could it be but God's representative? Blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. Abraham gave to Melchizedek tithes. This is hundreds of years before the Aaronic priesthood. The king of Sodom said unto Abram, 
Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. This is the king of Sodom. Abraham says, I don't want your money or anything that comes from you. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread, even to a shoe latchet, that I will not take anything that is yours, you heathen. Sodom, king of Sodom. Why? Lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abraham rich. Don't need nothing you've got. But Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. 